I ask anybody's question but yours. You're an idiot. And really a disloyal person. Hello and welcome to a special midweek edition of Disloyal Idiots, a Fans for Sportsnet production. Uh, joining you tonight, Steve Haller. With me as always, Christian DeGuzman, uh, possibly the ghost of Andy Pregler because, well, he doesn't seem to show up anymore. And special guest this week, uh, well, this midweek, since we're we're on an off-cadence podcast right now, uh, Mike Ostrowski. How are we doing, guys? Very good. Thank you. We, we still don't know where Pregler is. I got the... Unfortunately, the uh, the milk carton advertisements that we've sent out on Brooklyn haven't yielded any results. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, it, it's he's just missing in action for the last couple of weeks. It's fine. Um, we have we've ha- we we've brought in a uh, quite quite the stable of guests to sub for him though, so I think we're in we're in good shape. Um, this week, if you missed it on Sunday, we ended up talking. I, I, I hesitate on Sunday because most of you would have seen it in your feeds on Monday, but uh, we did uh, end up having a uh, a nice special lacrosse edition with John Arsenigo. It was uh, actually a real good discussion between him and Christian and me just interspersing random things when I could. Uh, and if you're interested, go check it out. Uh, Got the women coming up tomorrow at noon with their NCAA's quarterfinals, I believe, right? Yeah, quarterfinals. So see if they can uh, punch a ticket. Noon on Thursday. Yeah. Perfect TV time. Why, why not? Against uh, James Madison. So we'll see if they can punch their punch their ticket to uh, Memorial Day weekend and go from there. Beyond that, I think there was plenty of other news, which is why you're hearing from us midweek. Christian, what do you think we got to talk about today? Well, if you followed our our site and you've seen any of Mike's work, you can figure out why we're we've got him on today. Um, and given that Steve and I are still here and always are still here, let's talk some football. And yeah. we might as well get to the subject that we first touched on very briefly at the end of Sunday's slash Monday's pod, whenever you listened to it, and the subject of the Syracuse quarterback room, which is always a subject that. Brings up lively expectations of conversation <laughs> and debate. Um, the trade was complete. Syracuse uh, traded uh, Lenora Sellers for Braden Davis, uh, if you want to call that a trade. But um, so Syracuse, the the first big of like a multitude of wave of signings that came early on this week actually came last week, which was South Carolina quarterback backup quarterback Braden Davis as transferred to the Orange. And at least give Syracuse, at least at the very minimum, a okay number three option. Because, no offense to Luke McPhail, that was going to be Luke McPhail. And mm-hmm. as much as we love preferred walk-ons, you do not want to have preferred walk-ons playing if you can get away with it. And no offense to Kevin Darton on that as well. Right. There's a difference between preferred walk-ons that work for their way into the starting lineup through performing, and there's others when uh, they work their way into the lineup strictly by having the world in front of them get injured, which is where we were a couple of years ago. Uh, Mike, was that pre pre you in the Rex Culpepper? Uh, oh no, era? that was my freshman year, and that was. Uh, let's just say I'm kind of glad we weren't allowed in the dome at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I don't know you you uh, you were able Again, to take a look. We, at... we always somehow bring this back to my freshman year, back oh, to the days where we had uh, 
Austin Wilson, and then AJ Long, and then Mitch Kimball. That was your freshman year? Jesus. Yeah, because it, remember, it was Hunt. Yep. Hunt punched someone. Yep. Wilson. Mm-hmm. Hunt got injured. Um, AJ Long, who was supposed to be the quarter, the the freshman quarterback that people were hyped for before Dungy came in. Mm-hmm. Concussion. Wilson. Kimball. Yeah. And, you know, when you have Detective Detective Mitch Kimball at your uh, starting quarterback spot, it's not really going to work out well for anyone. Um, so, I don't know. I Right now, we're assuming he comes in as the number three just because of what Del Rio Wilson has shown and the fact that uh, Lampson transferred out and officially at this point has landed at Stanford. Um, so, it seems like uh, he and Jatias Gear both kind of went home gear back to South Carolina and um, lamps into the West Coast. But um, Mike, you you kind of did a uh, the profile on Davis. What uh, what are we getting from from South Carolina here? Well, he, he's the same kind of quarterback that Syracuse seems to love lately. The dual threat mobile guy who maybe doesn't have the best deep arm, but is good in the short to mid range game. Going back to his high school days, since he doesn't have much of a film at South Carolina he was very very aware of the pocket collapsing around him knowing when to scramble which you know by Syracuse's track records that will come in handy uh, I, I really like the I really like the pickup I think that you know for losing Lamson so abruptly this is about as good of a replacement as they could have found could have found and who would have thought Syracuse would have three four stars in the room right now Three former SEC four stars. Right. So is that that's become apparent? And, and as we talk today, this will become apparent that our new theory is not to recruit people out of high school; it's to just recruit from the SEC. Yeah. Um, and hey, if it works, it works. It's and it is working so far. Yeah, I don't know. I'll at this point, I'll take it. Um, it seems like it's. Seems like it's at least bearing some fruit in our current starting quarterback and our current backup and now our third string. So, um, I don't know what, uh, does, does uh, this... to tie in a, uh, to tie in a soccer analogy here, it's like Syracuse, it's like Syracuse is an MLS team, like taking in, uh, backup reserve La Liga players. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, huh. Okay. I'll take it. And you make that analogy as Mac and company are currently at a Champions League game. Oh, yeah. They got to see that mess. Yeah. Oh, that that was, yeah. Yeah. So they, they've taken in what uh, Liverpool versus Leicester, was it? They, yeah, they took in Liverpool, Leicester. Uh-huh. And, and today, also went to see uh, uh, City Madrid today. Yeah, yeah. So which in the Champions League. Spoiler for anyone who's listening and hasn't seen it, but you don't really need to. It was 4-0 to City. Um, <laughs> aggregate 5-1. They're moving on to the final um, against what? Inter? I Inter. Believe. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But um, City Inter looks like doing a Syracuse rest. and taking the Manchester United cast-offs and putting them in their team. Yeah, you know, why yeah. not? So that's... Uh, I, yeah, I guess when you when you think about roster construction in soccer, it's very similar to what we are doing. Yeah. Huh. All right. Because remember, Inter have 
Lukaku, Mkhitaryan, and, and Darmian. Yeah, yeah. Even though that team is run by Lautaro Martinez, but you know that's besides the point. <laughs> minor, minor difference. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess one one out of our our five that we've brought in this week, uh, we have now covered. So where are we heading next? Do we stick in the SEC or do we hit some of the the JUCO talk? So, Mike, this is the part of the podcast where we inevitably get to in every uh, football discussion where whoever is on, so it's me and you, we lean back and let Steve talk offensive line. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll answer that question. Yeah, we are sticking with the SEC then. Uh, For anyone who did not see it, for any of the olds like me and Kevin, uh, we are bringing in a legacy. Uh, We're not talking Otter from uh, Animal House. We are bringing in David Wollabaugh Jr., uh, and I, I can tell from the, the looks of my two co-hosts that the, uh, the reference did not land. Um, but yep. uh, David Wollabaugh Jr., son of David Wollabaugh Sr., as you can imagine, that's usually how that works out. Uh, former, what, really? Yeah, yeah. Go figure. Former uh, we'll, we'll get a center in the, was he early 90s or late 80s? Early, early 90s. 90s. Um, well, early 90s for Syracuse, yeah. I got drafted in 95 by the Patriots. Yep. So, uh, yeah, solid uh, eight-year career in the pros. Um, fun fact, if I could throw it out there, uh, he played with my high school football coach, who was also a Cuse lineman. Oh, really? Who was that? Mm-hmm. Jason Mills. He, okay. didn't varsity, he wasn't a letter winner until 95, but he was with the team a couple years before then. Small world. So, he, he did play with McNabb his freshman year. There you go. Yeah, that would have been 95, wouldn't it? Because he was drafted in 98? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, McNabb was 99. Oh, okay. So 98 was his last season. Harrison was 98. College season, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, yeah, McNab- thing- yes, because McNabb and Kevin Johnson were the two leftovers yeah. that went in 99. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thinking of McNabb as a leftover. <laughs> Only <laughs> when you still, compare him to a... That's all- still my favorite piece of trivia I bothered to look up. Yeah, that was just bad... All around. If you know, Mike, if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, McNabb and Johnson represent the last two Syracuse players uh, that were offensive skill players that were taken in the top three rounds of the NFL draft. Oh yeah, now I remember that was in that was in the slack, mm-hmm. and we're waiting to see if uh, Aranda get maybe third round next year. If maybe he, if he, he, he would need to there. have an amazing season. So. Either way, bringing it back to uh, the the large men on the line, uh, David Wallabaugh Jr., uh, since we took that whole tangent and trip around memory lane based on his father, uh, he is now coming in uh, having spent, what, two years at Kentucky? Yeah, two, uh, two years. One of them left. was a two years. One of them was a red shirt because when he played in two games. Yep. Uh, last year, I believe he played in eight games, started two. Uh, he only, only started one, and it was the first game of the season. Okay. Um, and actually from everything I had seen, wasn't on the, the projected spring too deep. I don't know if that was cause he was known to be entering the transfer portal at that point, or if he had kind of worked his way out of the, um, worked his way out of the depth chart, but a big body that, uh, knows his way around Syracuse and hopefully can augment either the interior line. He has played center before he, um, also, you know, was recruited out of high school as a interior lineman that could also play tackle. So the question is where they want to slot him and what they want to do with him. I don't know if we've heard anything one way or another on that, but um, yeah, but based on the research I did, he, the one game he started was at left tackle, 
And then when he uh, played in the rest of the games last year, it was a backup right tackle. So maybe okay. he is brought in as that guy who hopefully shores up some of that right side of the line, which, as you and Mike know well, has been a side. It, it has been a, a side of the line. Yes, it was is still a side of the line in spring camp. I can say pretty much the same thing every day. Yeah, the uh, uh, the video you kept sending me said the same thing every single time. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, right now I believe Joe Moore, the Richmond transfer, has been working as the right tackle. Um, I guess that's serviceable uh, if need be. But if we can do better, then doing better is better. Um, the other op- option is bring in, you know, bring him interior. Bleich is a walking injury, it seems. Um, and then whatever happens at center happens at center. Uh, Josh Aloha has a lot of experience this off season. Maybe he makes a jump. I would be very happy if that happened, but, uh, you know, Wallaba has experience playing that position. So that at least gives us some depth or, and some quality depth at the, the, the position of need. So we have that. We did also con- confirm that, um, Oh God, what's his first name? Reed, the Juco is on campus. Um, J- Javon, something. J- Javante, something. something like that. Javante Reed, maybe. Um, <laughs> His Twitter handle says Big Daddy Reed, and I don't think that's his actual name. So, No, what makes uh, you say that? <laughs> unless that is his birth name, I feel as though that is... Uh, I think it's, it's Genore or something, I think. I'm, I'm butchering yeah. this. Yeah. But um, either way, he, uh, he is also on campus, so we're adding some more depth to that position. Um, so, yeah, should be... Should, Things are looking somewhat up for the offensive line, which I'm not going to complain about. Uh, now that it's 12 deep instead of 10 deep? Correct. When we were dressing 10 for the spring game, one of which was an injured Chris Bleich, I was uh, very concerned. Uh, we also haven't heard anything about, um, I believe Anthony Red still hasn't landed anywhere out of the transfer portal. So whether he's still hanging around or whatnot, but... Okay. As of right now, he is not signed anywhere, no. So so there's always a chance he comes back, too. Um, depth can't hurt. Doesn't matter who it is. So uh, I don't know. I, that's, that's, that's what I've got on the, the large man at this point. So what's, uh, what's next on the docket? Well, you've got a defensive back, a defensive back, or stay with me, a wide receiver turned defensive back. Oh, okay. So, All right, you've got the. Uh, I took the quarterbacks. Steve took the defensive lineman. Mike, you've got the defensive backs. <laughs> All right, might as well go in order. We'll start with one of the JUCO guys, Jacoby Seaborn, from Santa Barbara City College. He played two years out on the West Coast. Not terrible stats, for, especially for JUCO, but I have to figure this is more of a. 24 guy, maybe a rotational piece this year, but I can't imagine. If he's not even in the two deep, it would not surprise me. Fair. Could be a could be a decent depth piece, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Juco being Juco, not a 
a huge amount of film on him, but, yeah. but warm bodies can't hurt. Let's put it that way. But and, and Syracuse has gotten good production from JUCO players in the past. I mean, you look at guys like Ravion Pierce. I mean, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Elton Robinson. No, he was, was he at no, Juco? No, he was Texas. Or? He was, he is any of them. Oh, that's definitely not a Juco. No. I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretty sure that's above that. Was Lakeem Williams Chuko? Mm, I don't believe so. I seem to remember a linebacker being a Chuko, like one of the linebackers from the late 2010s, like him or like Ryan Guthrie or something like that. I don't remember. Uh, yes, it was Lakeem Williams at Butte College. Huh. Bravo, I'm yeah, having yeah. quite the memory. Uh, memory. <laughs> So yeah, more, more, more things, more things that have happened. Um, so that's one down on the DB front. What else we got? Well, if I'm still up, or sure. you, guys- <laughs> you got you got the DBs. This man. is your floor. <laughs> All right, uh, Barry Buxton the third, originally, uh, believe another JUCO guy. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, he definitely was. Yeah. He is a JUCO DB from Santa Barbara City College. Oh, same place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he also, of note, has a younger brother, Isaiah, who we have an offer out to. So who knows if that's tied, but uh, definitely couldn't couldn't hurt. So, yeah, uh, apparently we are now recruiting California heavily. I don't know. It's well, yeah. California Duke. Oh, I mean, technically, he's okay. He is California. Seaborn is from Houston originally. Okay. So we're getting, you know, we we got five spots in that defensive backfield. We're trying to fill them all with more people. Um. So yeah, uh, and then the the final of the three, Julio Martin. Yep, and this is today's news. Just a couple hours ago, and this and this is the interesting one. <laughs> yeah. So what? Uh, West West receiver. He's a West receiver. Yes. Um, wide receiver out of Nebraska uh, entered the portal beginning of this month. And officially committed here to play DB, apparently. So, um, I don't know. It, it it's definitely a, a question questionable maneuver. But uh, three star out of high school, um, eighty seven graded on on three. Um, originally from Chicago, seems like a decent pickup. Uh, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows why he came here as a DB. I mean, it, it may be similar to Sayer and just wanting to play a different side of the ball or who knows. Uh, but we'll, we'll see what, uh, we'll see what happens out of this one. I guess on that, um, I don't know if I would say it's for playing time just because of what we saw out of the wide receiver room in the spring. There really still isn't, 
anybody jumping up to be that number two that we've been asking for for right. at least a year now. So uh, I would think can, it, I would think in this case it, it as the Syracuse like as the old man. We've been looking for a number two since Kevin Johnson. Yeah. So. Yeah. Maybe those early Dino years we had like a, at least a one-two, but beyond that, there was yeah, it's it's been thin. Yeah. There's been names and bodies, but yeah, nobody's really put themselves ahead of anybody else. Yeah, like like the couple of years ish before his like breakout yep. eighteen season. Oh yeah. But who knows how it'll work out? So. I, roster construction's weird. I, that's that's where I was going to go next. Was like, yeah, what is what are what, what are we doing? <laughs> um, the uh, so, sorry to go all Taylor Twelman on you, but um, the the way things are shaping up, it seems like we're going to play like a three one seven. Yeah, I was going to say some sort of weird nickel formation. Yeah. Which we knew we were going to be in some sort of nickel, but I don't know if this, the way the way these recruits are coming in, if this is the what we thought. I, I will say during the spring, which may have just been because of personnel who was available, there are a couple linebackers and no contact in the spring. They mostly ran a four-two-five in the open sessions instead of the three-three-five that we expected. So don't know yeah. if that's in the long-term plans or if that's more just based on what personnel they had at the time. It, it's weird because right now, especially with key, with gear leaving, there's a lot of unproven talent on edge because you're, you're not going to trot Okachuku out there for all three downs of a, any defensive set. And he's definitely not going to stay out there for an entire drive. So, Behind them, you have Jobity, Simmons, Hawkes, Nolan, and then maybe Ingraham if they're actually going to play him as an edge rusher instead of in an interior lineman. It's it's really unproven, which makes it kind of scary. Yeah, it'd be- because you would, because especially as Steve and I have talked about for the better part of three years, ever since Tony White came to this cuse, the Guys who should be doing the attacking, who should be the focal point of the attack, are the linebackers. And that's why you see the particularly the outside and the outside and weak side linebackers and Stefan Thompson and Marlo Wax really have a lot of success in this system. It's because the system is made for them to shine. And if you're gonna shift so drastically so that you're not only playing with two linebackers. One of them has to be a field general, and that's most likely going to be Wax. And the other one's only going to be one rusher. You have to have some sort of edge complement. And the way that the three-three-five is usually taught, the lines are just meant to be meat shields and supposed to be guys who are supposed to be distractions. Right. It's and, an added bonus if they disrupt yeah. and make... Like, yeah, they're supposed to disrupt, but they're supposed to take on bodies. And you brought in the guy who made the three three five and Rocky Long to replace Tony White. So well, I don't have any doubt that you can teach these guys how to be, you know, effective rushers. He's still teaching a system that 
he's being forced to teach in a 4-2-5 instead of the 3-3-5 he wants to teach because that's the defense he made, that's the defense he's going to want to run eventually. And so if you have to spend the entire spring playing 4-2-5, that's, that's at least a 50% drop in effectiveness, in my opinion, in terms well, of springtime, because you can only teach so many principles of the 3-3-5 without really compromising everything if you're going a 4-2-5 for at least the spring. At the same time, the way Long and White run a 3-3-5 isn't that far off from a, a standard, you know, four-man front stack. Like, it's... Uh, the, the outside backer is always rolled up. Your coverage probably isn't that far off. Uh, in that 4-2-5, they probably zone blitz. They probably do a lot of things that would put people in similar positions as you would see in a 3-3-5. Um, so when, you know, it's the standard, you can call it whatever you want to call it. Uh, I I would assume Long kept referring to it as that just as a point that they were utilizing a true D-end as that down lineman instead of a, a guy in a two-point stance rolled up. But think of last year how often that Sam was like anywhere not on the line of scrimmage yeah that is true but the at uh, also it's tough because right now just based on what i've seen yep i'm not sure of how much this changes with long white light really like to have at least two linebackers drop back in coverage yeah and so if you're forcing both of those linebackers to drop back or if you want to bring one of them with the rush it it, it leaves some holes and it does we we I mean, we we know what Syracuse's zone coverage is like, right? In, but, uh, what in the I'm, passing game, I guess what I'm saying is transitioning it to a healthy three three five. Uh, like when we get when you know bodies are healthy and they can run three linebackers again, uh, it's not that much of a a, okay. a a visual change from where you are in positioning and reaction. Uh, Wax and whoever's playing that uh, weak side is or strong side is probably. Um, you know, they're probably seeing the same thing they would be seeing. They're probably reacting the same way they would be reacting. It's mostly just going to be a matter of that will being rolled up or, uh, you know, uh, a hand on the ground. And if he's, if he's in a two point stance, then it changes coverage and you can bring different people. And, um, it just, it opens, it opens the door more, but it doesn't systemically change what those guys are seeing. I don't think. If that makes yeah. sense, yeah, yeah, no, it does. It does make it, it makes sense. I'm. It, it's going to be tough for these linemen, especially once the rule. I, I, I think my, I'm, I'm more concerned for the linemen than I am the linebackers. Yeah, M mainly because. Yeah, yes. When you shift back to three, three, five, you'll have that essential fourth lineman most of the time. When you have the Sam or the Will roll down, yep, on, and join them on the line. But the thing is, most of these linemen are going to be playing with expecting them to be the primary guys as the attack, whether when in reality they really should be the distractors instead of the attackers. Uh, I wish they had the spring death chart up on the uh, on Qs.com, but um, yeah, I mean, have we ever had a spring death chart? They did last year, I think, or maybe two years ago. It, two years ago. They did not have one last year. Hmm. Yep. So, unfortunately, um, I think Emily ha Emily has a 
pseudo one out. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think the spring death chart two years ago was a, like a pseudo Bailey one. Might have been. But either way, I mean, uh, just if you look at the game 12 uh, depth chart from last year on that line, uh, Linton or Gear, and then everybody else is the same. I mean, Darton, Futas, Kundiff, Okachukwu, Jobody. Um, if you figure out that front side, you're not in horrible shape as far as personnel-wise. And you've got guys that are healthy again, like Hakez and, um, oh God, uh, Nolan. I, I was like Francois, somebody, <laughs> what's his last name? Um, I'm doing great with names today for the record. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, that with the addition of Ingram, Simmons kind of came on late last year. Lockett's healthy again. Like, there's, I can see why they like this core. I just hope. I just hope they can shift it back to a three-man. Um, yeah, th- that's my big concern is that how the line will perform. Not so much the linebackers. Yeah, I mean the linebackers. Uh, at this point, I'm 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 at the point where getting Stephon Thompson back is just icing on the cake. If that happens, um, just- oh, he, not to cut you off, but at the very end of camp, the last week, he was in a contact jersey. Oh, he did okay. not get to see him play or practice or anything. But he was wearing a he was wearing a white jersey and pads. Didn't get anything out of Dino on that, but but was he actively participating? I did, I don't know the, because it could be a Bleich thing where I mean Bleich was dressed, but well Bleich well, was dressed. Bleich at the also spring was game. walking around with crutches right. at points and had yeah. larger than normal braces on at points. That that was a mess. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, when you're in full pads and you can't walk, that's a that's a look. Um, but yeah, I I, I it's, get why it's a, someone. It's a new it's a new way to get a good reach yeah. on your defense on your defensive lineman in contact. Yeah, using crutches. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, yeah, and I get like from Blaise's standpoint, it's his last spring game. Like it's the last one he's eligible for. I get why he wants to dress, etc. Um, so it, it after I thought about it, it didn't seem as strange. Like I, I, my brain initially went to like, you know, trying to hide something or <laughs> something or else. I'm like, oh wait, it's probably just because this is his last spring game and he wants to dress. So, uh, yeah, that works. But with the linebackers, you know, we've got ma- we've got wax and a lot of question marks. Yeah. Like McDonald is probably your next strongest or next most well known commodity. Yeah, probably right, right now. now. But based on what he based on what he did towards the end of this season, I put Lowry there above McDonald. Okay. Um, just I, I really like Leon Lowry. I loved what he showed at least towards the end of the season. And um, he looked you, really dynamic. If you took just the bowl game, I'd put Caden Bailey right there too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but again, like how much stock you put in a bowl game where both teams were definitely not trying their hardest. True. This was, like, let's be honest, this wasn't like the 2018 Camden World Bowl with Syracuse where they desperately wanted to win that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this um, this was, you know, we're here, we got the extra practices in, let's, let's stay alive. Yeah, let's let's not let the whole roster get injured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was more auditions for this year than really trying to win. But beyond beyond those three names and Stefan Thompson, you've got what? 
Anwar Sparrow and Mackay Mason, they're the only two that have seen a significant amount of time. Maybe I mean, Austin, 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 Rune. Austin Rune as well, but Rune's pretty definitely just the middle linebacker. He's going to be right. Wax's backup, and that's it. And then you've got Ryan Dolan, uh, Yusuke Sagano, and Josh Kabala, two of which are walk-ons. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, Kabala and Sanago are, are, uh, are walk-ons. So, yeah. Um, All of that, CNS. that room seems very um, yeah. deceptively thin. Like when you think, when you initially think of linebackers, you don't think it's that thin, and then you start breaking it down, and it really kind of yeah. is. And, like, and well, like you said, that's the problem at a couple positions: is the, the ones are great, yeah, if they stay healthy, yeah. But the depth, but the problem is they're there. playing at the JMA Wireless Dome. Yeah, with the uh, terrible, <laughs> the, the terrible monster. So a, a lot of this. I, will, I, I, you know, I will real quick. I was told that is only two years or three years old that they put it in when they put the new roof in. Well, I'm supposedly also... the, supposedly the, uh, the turf at the, uh, at, um, in Arizona was new. And look what the Super Bowl well, did yeah. to that. Mm. I'm, I'm half done. So during COVID year, uh, they did let us actually into the dome on Tuesdays in the spring. So I played, I technically you know, messing around playing on it in the spring, but like in year one, that turf was pretty bad. <laughs> oh boy. So, and then when you use it year round, you park the bleachers on it for half the year. You mat over what, it. What silicone mat of, padding, yeah. plastic padding is not enough to prevent turf damage from heavy metal bleachers. <laughs> and those are extremely not light. Can confirm. Um. Also, we're carrying six tight ends. I mean, one of, one of which they're oh, yeah, still no. not going to throw to them. Yeah, one of which is around against him, so I guess it doesn't particularly mean six. Yeah, but. I, he's he's I firmly back in the slot at this point. I don't count Garrett Gatson in as a tight end. Well, I'm just going off what I read off of, off a roster here, sir. Um, yeah, I know. You you have thunder. Uh, like, thunder Gatson is firmly back in the slot at this point. Yeah, he's not even lining up at tight. At least in the spring, he wasn't even lining up at tight end much. It was mainly Mang and Clement, actually, the freshman. Yeah, which I don't know what that means for Stephen Mahar, but uh, you also have uh, Thunder Dan Valari there and uh, Carter Clark, who's a Richard freshman. So weird, a a weirdly deep position, yeah. <laughs> or at least bodies wise, a weirdly deep <laughs> position. Um, yeah, but before we talk about more depth, we should think um, we're about halfway through. We should thank our uh, the sponsor of the podcast, uh, Home Field Apparel. Home Field Apparel is here, one stop shop for all your uh, throwback Syracuse needs and gears. Go to homefieldapparel.com and you can use the code NUNES, NUNES, for 10% off at your next checkout and get all your vintage Syracuse gear or gear of your choice. Remember, online bullying works and. If you want to see other more Syracuse gear from there, whether it be auto joggers or a vintage Syracuse bomber jacket, make sure you also harass them on social media. Mm. Don't actually harass them, but like let your voices be known. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's they're just good. They always are. Now again, that's Homefield Apparel, homefieldapparel.com for all your vintage Syracuse or 
collegiate gear that you want. And remember to use the code NUNES, N-U-N-E-S, at checkout for 10% off your order. Absolutely. Um, I mean, we talked about, because we're on this tangent of depth, and there is a position that oddly has depth and maybe doesn't at the same time. Is the pitch position Syracuse just got three commits to? And I'm not just talking about cornerback. I'm talking about the entire defensive backroom when you're talking corners, safety, rovers. Because there's a lot of players there. But, like, once you scrape past it, like you said, it's, it's a deceptively light depth, especially at corner. We're carrying because who knows what they're right going to do at corner. With those three commitments, we're oh, carrying Jeremiah's got to be the... If they're, you're going off spring performance, Jeremiah's got to be the two right now. You would hope he's the two and not the one, honestly. No, no, Isaiah's still the one, but Jeremiah... See, is Johnson still around? Yeah. Yeah. Because oh, he, thought, had his thought... last, he had his senior year last year. This is his graduate year. Yeah. Oh, I thought he was a grad transfer. Uh, He might have been a grad transfer with a COVID year left. Because he was a grad transfer from Dartmouth. He's listed as because... a redshirt senior. Oh, okay. God, I... And I this, is, the... this is the updated I, spring... I, I... This, this, yeah, this blows everything out of the water for me because I thought Syracuse did not have Isaiah Johnson. That changed things at corner a little for you? That changed things a lot for me because I <laughs> I was going under the assumption that Wilson was the best returning corner. Hmm. Nope. Nope. You're I, I, was, I had no idea Johnson was back for another year. So assuming, because, because assuming I, this information. Because whenever now, you hear grad transfer from Ivy League, you assume it's just one year. Right. So... I think I think COVID added something there, which helped us. Yeah, they didn't. They did not play. Period in 2020, according to his Qs.com bio. None of the Ivies did. Yeah. So, um, so Christian, with your newfound information, what's your five across? So it's honestly, I, I'm going to be frankly honest. I wasn't thoroughly impressed with Wilson. Too much at corner. So if Gold or Bellamy show, showed anything during the spring practice, I would love to see them get a run at the number two corner spot. Um, Johnson's obviously the one, the number one corner. Barron's your rover, obviously. Clark's one of your safeties, and then the other safety is Simmons. That's your that's your starting five among the DBs. All right. Yeah, I, I will say. T- Go ahead, Christian. Sorry. No, you, yeah, the the two, uh, but like you said, that's deceptive depth because the twos, maybe other than the safety spots, get kind of iffy. No, if he graduated, he's not playing. He's not even playing in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, yeah. He's on an NFL roster. He that counts. He's that making. He's making money for sitting on that bench. That is true. The, the the injury didn't if, help. Uh, give me a second. The Vikings guy, Christian Jackson, I think. Yeah, that sounds yeah. right. Yeah, if he, if he counts, so does if do. There you yeah, go. True. Uh, yeah. So depth there. You have uh, whichever of the two transfers doesn't become the other corner as uh, one of your twos somewhere, right? Be- Bellamy's in the spring. He was mo- working more over the middle. Okay. So I would mm-hmm. I would think Gold's next in line on the CB depth. So you are so you're thinking he he does the Cinco transition of moving from corner to safety. 
Yeah. All right. Uh, and then speaking of transfers, you have Braylon Oliver. I forgot he was here. <laughs> he does exist. Quan uh, Peterson, the aforementioned Wilson, uh, Amon Greenwood, Malcolm Folk, Greg Delane, Cam Reardon, Clay Masters, Tommy Porter, and Cornell Perry. And there, there's your deceptive death because, like, of those guys, the only one who's really seen time is Greenwood. Yeah. Um, and was Rob Hanna still on there, or is Rob Hanna done? I forget. Rob Hanna is Rob. not on the roster. I, yeah, according to Dino, he had an academic issue. Oh, okay, never mind. Um, so, so that was there because there was three guys that had academic issues. One of which was supposedly Jacobian. Okay, but I could go back and find that presser quick. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, oh, Niall well, Nunn. It was was the two of them and Niall Nunn. I've Thanks. never. I don't remember the name Niall Nunn from any of our roster recruiting get to know breakdowns. But like was, none was the one who got the, injured at the, uh, Florida State. Uh, hmm. Sorry, it was, it was the first presser of camp. If that helps. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> but, but again, like so, it, that just brings up again the deceptive death part of this entire thing because the ones look great, and then you you have Wilson as one of the backup corners. Go or one of the transfers, whichever decision they want to go with. Yeah, and then at the safety positions again, you have the other trans. You have the other the Jaden transfers and Greenwood, and that's it. And mm-hmm. because we we know how much there, because there's two factors here that we because we always talk about depth with Syracuse, and there's two factors here. One we already mentioned. It's the uh, it's the just the nature of the dome and Syracuse that Syracuse gets injured a lot. And part of that's the dome. Part of that is them getting beat up in a very physical ACC, especially against the opponents. They go up. That's not going to change even with the new three, five, five scheduling. And then the other is just the nature of the three, three, five. Now I don't know how Rocky long is going to coach this in terms of his differences between Tony white, but I'm assuming it's not going to be very much. And Tony white would really like to rotate guys in and out. Especially in the middle, especially in the middle of the field, like not so much the corners, but like he rotated guys in and out all the time, especially on the line and especially in in the safeties positions. So that that was the case all spring. He was rotating guys in and out like crazy. So so you need going anywhere. So you need depth there. And yes, you got Greenwood and one of the Jadens playing over the middle. Who's going to be your back to Baron at Rover is going to be a big question. And inevitably, when one of the cornerbacks gets injured, because when's the last time we've had a cornerback stay healthy throughout the entire season? Or just anyone, <laughs> let's right. be frank. Um, like, who, like, uh, there's your deceptive death. Well, yeah. And. I guess we'll pull up the stupid stat of how much people have seen the field. Because if you take this from a uh, number of starts from last year's end of year, uh, of course, your top is Mikel, Garrett, Jihad Carter, and then Marlowe, and then Deuce, 
and Stefan and then Baron Johnson Simmons. Like we get into people that are still here, but you're losing. You like we lost a lot. Yeah. Especially from that DB room. The the loss. Mm-hmm. I, I, I keep the forgetting Carter that was Deuce. this offseason yeah. that that happened. What's that one meme? It's like, wow, what a year this was. It's only Monday. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. Because, like, if if uh, if Deuce and Jihad are here right now. We feel a lot better. That depth conversation goes from a giant question mark to, holy shit, we're deep at DB. Mm-hmm. Real quick. I mean, it's p- partly same thing. I mean, same thing with the D line with Gear and Litton. This is a very different unit. Yeah. So, thanks, Transfer Portal. Maybe. I Maybe. I can't tell if it's a thank you or a EBD. Yeah. Yep. Well, we we talked we talked a lot about defense and defense depth there, based on what the new transfers brought in. Uh, let's touch a little bit more on the offense. Um, there's probably not too much to say about uh, based on what's happened with uh, Dave, with uh, Davis coming into the quarterback room. Like, it's pretty much established that it's going to be Schrader, Dorio Wilson, and then Davis most likely, unless something drastic happens. Right. Unless nope. he comes in. Nope. And- Flashes. Nothing came in at running back, so you've, you're well, most likely going to see Liquid Allen and I mean, Jawan Price. Christian, uh, go ahead, it, it, has, it has been 10 years since we've had a Syracuse starter make it through the entire season healthy. Oh, wonderful. 10 years. 10 years. At quarterback or running back? At quarterback. Excuse me. No, at quarterback. 10 years, so that was one of Terrell Hunt's first starting years or Nassib's last year? Probably Nassib's last year. Because Hunt, I don't yeah, think actually even started the, uh, a full full year. Even the fabled Dungey year, um, Devito started two he games. He got knocked out well, of Devito, uh, Notre Dame. He got oh, knocked out I was of Notre Dame. That. Game. It was the funniest thing. Yeah, it was. I, I was. I was in the third deck of Yankee Stadium for that game. Uh, so running backs, uh, Laquin Allen. Running backs. It's it's going to be Allen and Price yep. most likely. We don't really have to look too much about that. Well, again, you were talking about a team that two years ago was down to their seventh string. So, fingers crossed. Um, I mean, thankfully that seventh string was Sean Tucker, and it worked but, out okay. And also, However, and also because remember it was the 2020 year, so remember the top two options opted out of the season right. as well. So, like, you know, extreme circumstances there. Top two options opted out the third, and this was uh, coming out of the spring game. Yeah, Sean Tucker would next, have been the the seventh. The seventh, yeah. Because uh, the next what's two, his face transferred. One, yeah, Garrison Johnson. Johnson, was like three that's or four. What it was. He got key transferred. Um, so, I mean, wide receiver. That's going to be another topic that Syracuse hasn't brought in a wide receiver. Well, they did. They just got him playing DB. Yeah, he's playing DB. Um, and. And we're only carrying I mean, it's, nine it's, right now. It's, I, it I don't seems, know who we have. It seems in. like Syracuse trusts its wide receivers, but at the same time, like you said, Syracuse is still looking for that guy to like really snatch the number two position away to, right. at the very least, take some heat off Gatsden. Well, and that might be Isaiah Jones, but he wasn't playing in the spring, right? That is yeah. true. They, well, he was playing were, in the spring. He was okay. And Dino's very high on him as. Yeah, I am. I I I avidly remember him saying that Isaiah was supposed to be the number one last year before he got hurt. Huh. 
So yeah, and and he looked good in in those first three games before he got his arm torn off by that Purdue quarterback. That yeah. happens. Yeah. So um. So yeah, I mean, it sounds like it'll be him and Alford on the outside, which you know uh, isn't the worst. Who's the other outside guy? I think Demarcus Adams. Alford was at least in what we are allowed to see. He was barely seeing the field. He was barely getting reps in practice. Hmm. And in the limited cleanup time that we saw from Adams, he he looked half decent. So, although I thought he was more of a slot guy than he was an outside guy. Yeah, I mean, six foot one seventy six. I could see why you would uh, think that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, you know, maybe, but. And then, and, and then we, were, we we talked about tight ends, and then we were luckily well, I guess and still a still a wide receiver. You know, beyond that, you've got uh, Trevor Pena. You've got Amari Hatcher, I mean, Kendall Long. I mean, you, yeah, you know, Pena is going to play because, right? For some reason, Dino loves to have his four wide sets, five wide sets. Mm-hmm. Well, if uh, you're not, Donovan uh, Brown got yep. a lot of action in the spring. I was gonna say, and he he's got wheels, right? Yeah, yeah. And the, but then but then again, you get to your deceptive depth thing where, oh, well, like yeah, yeah, Alfred has a backup um, wide, but then behind behind them behind him and the five that we talked about, the other four we talked about in Jones, Pena, um, Gadsden, and not even Adams. Like, there's a lot of unproven talent in this uh, wide receiver room. Right, I know a lot of us were high on Hatcher coming out. Uh, long was long yeah. hurt last year. I don't remember seeing the field. Well, they, well, Hatcher looks good because he seemed like he was the guy that developed a lot of a rapport with Carlos Del Rio Wilson. Mm, yep, and, and because mm-hmm. he was mainly on the field when Del Rio Wilson was on the field, not so much when Schrader was there. And Hatcher was basically a go route. He was basically Alfred 2.0, just a little smaller, because he was a go route guy just down on the sideline. Right. I mean, when I think of uh, when I think of Alfred, that's all I think of is the long catches or drops. Mm-hmm. Kind of, kind of boomer bust. Not, and all of them on go routes. Yes. Although over the over the spring game, he was working across the middle a little more. Or at least not just That's, straight go. Th- that is something that surprised me, is that he was actually lined up on the inside a lot when I did see him in the spring. Well, Syracuse is playing their Uno reverse trap cards and basically <laughs> saying, the typical slot guys who think, we're going to put them on the outside. Right. And the guys who think should be outside receivers, we're going to put them in the slot. And like, or, good luck. Or, or it's just straighter only throws over the middle. I mean, that is also a... Highly regarded fact. I mean, if you put a bunch of six five and six six guys in there against like six foot, five foot something linebackers, might I might I suggest throwing to a tight end in that scenario? That's not named Ganston. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, a tight end. That's actually a tight end. We don't have those. There's supposed to be five of them on the roster. We just talked about that. Point. Hey, let's uh, let's take a look at two of the guys that performed best and are most the well most well known names in uh, in uh, in the NFL right now. They happen to be Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. What position did they play? Tight end. Where do a lot of their catches happen? Over the middle. That Tony Gonzalez kid did that for a while too, right? 
Oh, that name sounds vaguely familiar. <laughs> I, I heard why. he was good. Um, yeah. There's this, so. guy, there's this guy called Mark Andrews also who's really good at that. <laughs> uh, Andy's not here, so I'll be the Pittsburgh rep and say Heath Miller. There you go. the conversation. Oh, yep. That's a good throwback name. Uh, how about it's long big snappers? Bed safety linchpin. Can you name any long snappers? No. Oh, okay. No. Can you name any of our long snappers? Not anymore. <laughs> well, not since Aaron Belinsky left. No. <laughs> Mike Midkiff and Ethan Stangle. They both oh, been Mike on the roster. Mike Midkiff is still around. I forgot yeah. about him. And also, was he the holder last year or two years ago? Two years ago. And I then Baron was this Baron. year? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we have new long snapper. Uh, but be, yeah, beyond that on offense, there's uh, the line we've yeah. talked about ad nauseum of. We, we might as well continue just to end off our football early. The discussion on this is because, because we, we we talked about the line a lot when it came around like Wallop on the right side. Left side's a bit more stable, but beyond that, like, again, there's still depth concerns behind the left side. Yeah. Because behind Cruz and Ellis, like there's not a ton. And if Aloa is placed to some of the standards that he showed this season that made Steve rip his hair out, like there's not a lot behind center as well. Yeah. Now he actually, uh, so as of recent, um, or as of the latest depth chart, he is up to 316, which is. Who, Ellis? No, uh, Aloa. Aloha, jeez, wow. Uh, Cruz is That's up to impressive. 302. Uh, Bradford's at 302. Ellis is 375. Yeah, um, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> and Joe Morris, 302. So this is the the most large road graders we've had in a while. Uh, the question is how that'll work with our new offensive line coach's uh, philosophies. Um, we recruited think, a lot of people. Let, let's, let's take a side pause on this because I think that was an under... I'm like an undersold part about this offseason because there was a lot of talk about, you know, coaching changes, Nick Monroe leaving, of course, Robert Inade leaving, the big ones of of that, you know, Tony White leaving. But a, a really cited one was was Mike Schmidt leaving yep. uh, for, I believe, Mississippi State yes. and bringing in a new offensive line coach. Steve, can you tell us more about him and what his philosophies are? Because there was a lot of there was a lot uh, made about Schmidt and him really being the run game coordinator what about our new offensive line coach so farmer was i believe at tulsa before we hired him um also spent time at texas tech utah state it just popped up uh i didn't i I can't do that completely off memory i I got the (laughs) tulsa uh i would have had the texas tech but beyond that no uh utah state louisiana monroe illinois state eastern michigan eastern illinois um so Utah State and Tulsa, I believe there is overlap with the Dino coaching tree, hence why he probably ended up here. Um, from what I can gather, he seems to be, or at least initial initial thoughts when he was first hired, seem to be positive. Um, he, I don't know a hell of a lot about his specific style. Um, I know Mike Schmidt had a very distinct what he was looking for. So hopefully, hopefully whatever Farmer is looking for uh, in an offensive line is similar to what Schmidt recruited because that's what he's working with. So as long as he doesn't need these guys to be nimble movers, uh, he should be fine. But, I mean, even for their size, 
Alice moves very good for 375, which is, I can't tell if that's damning by faint praise or what, but he, for, for being as huge of a human as he is, he does move pretty well. So, um, the rest of the guys seem to have put on weight, which they've had most of an off season with farmer. I think if he wanted them to slim down, uh, that would have started to happen by now at this point. So, but remember, Syracuse doesn't have a dedicated nutritionist on their staff, so we don't know if that really works or not. Yeah, I do. They now didn't they just uh, just end up like grabbing? Mike muted. What's that? Oh. Sorry. Yes, they do have one. They just got one in the off season. Yay! So, a couple years behind the curve as usual, but they they got there. Yep. So. Um... Yeah, I mean, he had five different uh, all Big Twelve linemen, and when he was at Texas Tech, and has sent three to the NFL, so that doesn't hurt. I guess uh, I guess we'll more to more to come on philosophy and style and what he's doing, and I'm sure that means I've got an off season article to write. Yep, a lot of movers and shakers in the in the Keith football room, especially as the. Second transfer as the postmortem from the second transfer period window continues to settle and resolve itself. That's uh, that's Syracuse's uh, five new joiners, and then also the status of the death chart as it should be, and where it is. And yeah, maybe one more thing to touch on. It's not player related exactly, but football related. We did just get a timetable on a new football ops center. Oh, we should talk about this, yes. Yeah. So what part you, of the what new were you saying about behind the curve? Well, Sorry, that's it ahead. first. <laughs> no, he said what did it, what were you saying about, you know, Syracuse being behind the curve? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> at least it's happening. Look, at least it's happening. It it the uh, part of the Lolly project, they are going to completely tear down and replace the current football wing. The timetable of which is a little confusing to me because they're saying construction starting now, it'll be ready for December 2024. I question why you want it to be ready at the end of football season, not at the start of it. All for the shiny recruits that you're going to desperately try to recruit in the class of 2024. Well, that's that's right before the the, uh, nightmare schedule. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're going to need all the help we can that year. So. uh, (laughs) That's it. God. I'm still getting Vietnam flashbacks of saying Syracuse in Tennessee. Yeah, I... Uh, do we want to put ourselves through looking at that schedule again? No. Okay. No. Nobody nobody wants to feel those feelings. All, all, no, all I, people need to know about 2025 is Syracuse opens the season with a neutral side game against Tennessee and Atlanta, and that's all you need to know. Mm-hmm. Well, you could also know that Notre Dame and Clemson are on a schedule, too. Yeah, but that's small details. Yeah, about that. So Syracuse plays two SEC schools that year. Ha, 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 ha. God. (laughs) (sighs) Well, 
now that we now that we thoroughly have depressed everybody <laughs> with the end of this pod. Uh, ACC yeah. grant of rights is a bigger topic that we should not save for this very specialized football pod about Syracuse football and instead talk about ACC stuff as general. Maybe a little bit down the line when we've fully seen the dust settle from the kind of weird, magnificent seven things that are happening within the ACC grant of rights issues, moving to jumping to other ships things. Yeah, those meetings are still going on the rest of the week, right? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. But at least we know what's happening with Syracuse football, and it's a bit of good, and it's a bit of bad, and it's a bit of what the hell is happening. And if that doesn't summarize Syracuse football, I don't know what else does. No, no, I think that's a perfect note to end it on. Yeah, that, that's that another edition of... Perfect summation. Yeah, exactly. That's another edition of the Disloyal Idiots podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. Uh, thanks all of, all of you for listening, whether it's on the site, whether it's on your podcast's uh server of your choice be sure to you know rate like give us five stars share with your friends so that we can continue to trick the algorithm into expanding the ottoman empire we want to thank mike also for joining us on this very specialized football pod and of course we'll, we'll we're going to try and do more of these like specialized sports pod we really liked doing the one on sunday with john for lacrosse and we'll be looking to do more of those especially with and the interesting things happening with pretty much every sport on the hill. And, you know, we'll have Mike on more in a couple of these to share his thoughts about the current state of Syracuse athletics. So, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, of course, guys. And okay, I'll do it, Syracuse Steve, unless we all continue yeah. to be an experience. <laughs> that's putting it mildly. Steve, did I miss anything? No, I think that's about it. Uh, so what do you say with the end? This is as per usual. And uh, go orange, go orange, go orange.